welcome to Brand With Podcast. I am your host, Ivan Estrada. In this podcast, we will be discussing all things branding and marketing, from fashion to design, real estate, entertainment, tech, philanthropy, and much more. Nothing is off the table. We will have guests from all over the world to give you a global perspective on branding and marketing. Our goal is to dissect as many branding and marketing experts to get you all thinking about your brand by providing motivation and inspiration for you. Thank you all for listening and let's roll. Hello and welcome back to Brand with Podcast. I am your host, Ivan Estrada. Today we have a very, very special guest. She was part of the first and only all-female rock band to ever have a number one album, Beauty and the Beat. She achieved success in the music industry over multiple decades as a part of the Go-Go's, as well as a solo artist topping the charts with Heaven is a Place on Earth. She also put the new wave rocker genre on the map and is so legendary that her music continues to be a staple and has outlasted multiple pop culture and trend cycles. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome the one, the only, Mrs. Belinda Carlisle. Oh, I love that intro. <laughs> Ooh, that was, that was good. <laughs> that was great. Cool. That's you, Belinda. That is all you. And there was so much about you, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to throw in just a little teaser for everyone, and then uh, I'll let Belinda open up from there. So how are you? How is everything? Well, I mean, we you know we live in Thailand, and um, they've done a really great you know great job with the virus. So we've had it. We've been pretty normal now for over a year, um, and they're doing the vaccine rollout. So we've been really good during this. It's you know with the you wouldn't know anything was up um, unless you noticed everybody wearing a mask. But masks are very much part of the Asian culture, so it's right. it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's going to be part of our culture here in the States, too, because from what I've heard is even after everyone gets their vaccine, a lot of people are deciding to keep their mask for a couple of months or even years after just as a precaution. I want to throw away my mask. I hate it so oh, I much. can't wait. I I'm going to celebrate and go dance in the street and just throw my mask. Well, I'm not going to litter, Burn but I'll it. probably put it in a really cute little bag and then just throw it away and throw it down in the trash can. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm, done with it. I'm really done with it. I mean, you know, I think it's, um, you know, here they do it, uh, you know, out of respect for other people, but I really don't like wearing it. I yeah. Yeah. Same here. Well, well, hopefully I see a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. And so I'm, I'm super excited about that. Yay. So first and foremost, again, thank you so much. It's so amazing to have you. And, uh, you know, this is all branding and marketing and, and we'll start with that as our first question. So how would you define your brand, Belinda Carlisle? Gosh, you know something? Um, well, you know, I didn't really understand, uh, brands, before and and actually into the last five years, I never really thought about it. I just know that in the past five years, there's choices that I make to protect it. My brand would be more sort of adult, but um, then again, the demographic is is so wide. So there are things that I do and won't do. And you know, I used to take everything that came my way. Now, protecting my brand, there are certain shows I won't do, certain kinds of. Uh, certain things I won't do as far as my career goes. But I never really thought about what exactly my brand actually is, but I know that it's an, a valuable asset. And I know the Go-Go's brand is slightly different from my brand. So my, being mindful of how precious of an asset that it is. So, But I Absolutely. can't really sit here and describe what my brand is because I don't really know. It's not that, something that I really thought about. I just know that I have to make good choices. 
You mentioned the difference between the Go-Go's and Belinda Carlisle as a brand. So what are some of those differences? Well, I think that that, um, my brand is probably more adult contemporary. Um, The Go-Go's brand is, I mean, the Go-Go's have been around for 40 years. So it's a very punk kind of punk pop brand, has more of an edge probably than than, um, my own brand. But while I say that, both brands are very true to who I am. So like I always say, I may not look like a punk rocker, but <laughs> I am. <laughs> I mean, I have a punk rock heart. I was born contrary. So the brands are different, but they're very much me, you know, and uh, the Go-Go's, I would say everybody's very, very protective of uh, our asset that we have that's so unusual and so valuable. Tell me about you, you and the Go-Go's. Like, how did that all come about? How did you guys meet? Because um, it's we talk about in branding, you know, the importance of collaboration and working together and finding those people that you connect with. Like, how did that all come together for you girls? We just met on a curb. Well, we knew each other. We were kids. We were like 18 years old. We were sitting uh, on a curb drinking beer at a party. And all, all the other kids were in bands. And and. You know, there was like 50 kids in the L.A. punk scene. That was like 1978. Most of the bands were horrible. So we thought, well, we can be in a band and be horrible, too. That's almost cooler than than being uh, musically proficient. That's how we started. So it was kind of we just learned as we went along we about the business and learned how to play our instruments as we went along because nobody had any kind of idea how to do anything. But, you know, in retrospect, you're right. It's it's like important if you're working with other people that you get along, that you have the same vision, that, you know, same taste. As far as that goes, in the very beginning, we were really, really lucky. It, that's why I think that part of it is, it's kind of destiny that we met each other. And then we're like, 42 years later, we're still working together. There's There's something there that's not just people thrown together. We had the same sort of vision as to what the Go-Go's were, the kind of music we wanted to play, the kind of places we wanted to play. You know, there were some personality differences in the, in the very beginning, but once those were kind of weeded out, we were all on board with the same goals, the same taste, the same everything. And it was just lucky that we that we got along. And it's it's a family. It's not really friendships, although we we love each other as family. But you can also, you know, there's that familial tension, too. But we're really, really lucky in that way that we were able to just have the same vision from the very beginning. It, there's luck and timing, but there's also destiny. And it's just weird how we were five kids who, you know, were very immature at the time, but but we had the same vision, the same sort of goals. We liked each other. We had the same taste in music, you know, and against all odds succeeded because we really, I don't know if, if the Go-Go's could happen um, now. You know, everything's there's not a whole lot of authenticity. And, and that's one thing that I, when I look back, it's like, wow, there was so much authenticity. And we really held true to our beliefs and, and, and our sort of uh, vision of what we wanted to be. So elaborate on authenticity, because we talk a lot about that at our show. And I think it's so important, especially nowadays, we're being hit on by media about what you should look like, what you need to sound like, what you need to put out there. And you talk about authenticity. Like, tell me a little bit more about that, because that's so important. Yeah, it's really important. It's it's important to, I don't know. I mean, I came, came from, uh, my career started in the late 70s when it was all about authenticity. Probably, it's probably sort of changing a little bit. 
in the early 90s, record companies or companies that actually nurtured the artists and helped them find themselves creatively. At the end of the day, it's all business, but um, there was a value put on authenticity that I don't want to diss any other artists, but I think authenticity these days is is really few and far between, you know, and, and it's just gotten to a point where it's about money. It's about, you know, uh, budgets. Music's been sexualized quite a bit, which I remember the Go-Go's being at the Billboard Awards a couple years ago and sitting in front. And we're no prudes. And just watching, it was like just a sex machine, like one act after another. And even the girls were so sexualized. And that's not very authentic to go that direction. So, you know, I have really strong opinions about authenticity, globalization, having an identity, you know, not being a sheeple. I mean, I'm, I have really strong opinions about that. I think that's because I was born contrary. Yeah. I mean, I put a high value on it, you know, and when I see it and when I feel it and or, or when I hear it, I'm like completely blown away because there's not a lot of it these days. And so you talked about the challenges that women face, especially, you know, you were talking about the Billboard Awards and how it's being sexualized. What do you think the challenges have been with the Go-Go's in the 80s and the 90s and now? What do you think has changed? Like, what do you think the pressures are that women are facing nowadays that's allowing for this authenticity to just drip away? Um, I think because uh, the music industry is run by people who don't love music. And it's, it's they, they, they know nothing about music. And I think it's sort of the obvious way to go and uh, to sexualize not just music, but everything. That's kind of a boring way to go. I mean, that's kind of, that's the obvious. And I just think they know sex sells and it's a really bad combination. And I think our challenges back then in the early days of the Go-Go's were that there had never been anything like us before. Uh, that was a success. You know, you had the Runaways, you had Fanny, but they were only successful on a cult level. As far as mainstream success, there never was anything like us and no one would take a chance on us. I think that's probably gotten better, but I think it's gone to a direction where everything is so visual now. And like I said, sex sells. So, you know, you get these young girls that you can mold and that can be told what to do. That seems to be kind of the, the direction that the big corporations that are record companies, that's, that's, our, that's, that's our go-to place, I guess. And, and what advice would you give to young women out there who want to get into the music industry? You know, what, what piece of advice could you give them of encouragement or of, uh, like we talked about authenticity, to be able to get on that stage with merit alone and not having to use sex to sell? I mean, our situation, I don't know if the Go-Go's would happen, you know, could happen today because the way that music's changed, but I would just say is to really be true to yourself and to not sell out to the sort of obvious way that a music corporation wants to go. But I don't know if that's possible. I mean, you know, I think in, in some rare cases it is you have your Adele's, I think, you know, Gaga, who I think is totally authentic. But I mean, and I'm not really, I don't have my finger on the pulse either. So there probably is quite a few out there of women who don't resort to sex. But I, I just think it's a cheap way to go. I, and even back then, I would never do that. That's just not me. I could never. Of course, I've had suggestions made after I left the Go-Go's like, you know, you should sing songs like, you know, 
and show your tits. And I'm not going to say what they told me to do, but I was kind of mortified when you could be a much bigger star if you used, you know, if you played the sex card a lot more. And it's like, I know I can't do that. That's just not me. Yeah. You were being true to your brand. Yeah. You were being true to your brand. Mm hmm. Exactly. That's amazing. Let's change gears now and, and talk about spirituality because, you know, for me, that's been huge, uh, especially lately. So tell me about that path for you. Like, how has that helped you to become the woman that you are today? Well, I mean, I grew up Southern Baptist and I was like, oh, you know, even from a young age, I did not drink the Kool-Aid. I just didn't. But I always felt there was something bigger than myself. And when I turned 40, I was dropped by my record company. Uh, for a lot of different reasons. But I thought, well, you know, I know that I'm not defined by what I do, but I got to find out who I am. So I started digging deep, started reading all these books on finding yourself. And there was a book called The, the Buddha in Your Mirror. And it's um, a book about chanting, Namyoho Renge Kyo. And Soka Gakkai was this organization that this book sort of talked about. And it supports. Nichiren Buddhists around the world for chanting. And I'm not a part of it anymore, but it got me started. And I realized the power of chanting. A few years later, when I got sober, I knew I needed all the extra help I could get. So I got very much into Kundalini yoga, which is my daily practice today, which includes breath work, yoga, chanting. You know, I'm, I'm big on chanting. And I know the power because when I first got sober, I was chanting two to three hours a day. And there was no way that I would have been able to power through it like I had without chanting. You know, with yoga and with chanting, it's it really, you know, doing a lot of that, it really changes your perspective on things. So now I have a very, very solid foundation that I live my life from. And, you know, I have a daily practice that I, you know, once in a great while, I won't have time to do it, but I make time for every day because I know how important it is. And I think that this last year has... You've done a lot of reading and, and um, yeah, you know, there's some great teachers out there. And I mean, now I never would have thought when I, you know, 40 years ago that I would be, I'd have a, a spiritual foundation to live my life from. And, and I kind of want to, I want to open up about my sobriety. So I, uh, for a very long time, I dealt with uh, addiction, you know, alcohol and substances like you as a kid, I, I recorded an album. I was in the music world. And, uh, you know, I, I've told my family and friends that if things would have worked out for me, I think I would have been dead by now. I don't think I was ready to handle all that stress and all that pressure as a 15 year old boy who was already touring and just not knowing exactly who I was. And for me, you know, at age 36, uh, I talk about it in my book, uh, Brand with Purpose, the importance of how sobriety changed my life, how meditation and looking inward. I also do yoga. I was able to really get to know myself again. And, and I've, you know, for me, the importance and how it's changed my life and my perspective and how I view myself and how I view the world has changed dramatically. And I'm so glad that you opened about that because it's so important, especially in this world, you know, during covid the amount of people that I saw that were drinking and using and on social media and making kind of fun with it. I just thought, wow, this is, this is, this is becoming a huge problem. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I thank God I have something that, that, that I can, you know, that got me through this. And, you know, there's, I, I listen to, I start my day, a cup of coffee and 20 minutes of a great teacher like Eckhart Tolle or Ram Das. There's a lot of great teachers out there. So that and then go straight into chanting and meditation and yoga and 
Yeah, it's very important to be able to, and it's a great thing to be able to witness yourself and to be able to be sort of the watcher from above. And I've, I've kind of gotten good with that. So I don't know, I, I just can't imagine life any other way. And I would have been dead for sure. <laughs> There's no question um, that are you know in prison, but probably dead. Yeah, and so for someone who is friends of mine, family have always asked me like, how do you find a purpose? Like, how I don't know what I'm supposed to do on this planet. I have no clue. How how are you able to find your purpose? What led you there? Was it mentors? Was it something spiritual? Like, how are you able to find that? I was really really lucky. <laughs> I didn't really know what I wanted to, do, to to be in school. The only thing I wanted to do was was travel around the world. That's the only thing I. That's the only ambition I had. I decided that being in a band was the best way to to see the world. I wanted to be a travel agent when I was a kid, but being in a band would be more fun to do that. I think just because I loved music so much, that was the, that was a dream for me. And then just lucky that it came along at a time when there was so much creativity, and then there was a huge music scene going on. So. Without that music scene, you know, I always had interest in the arts and design. And there are a lot of things that I probably could have done. But I was so young when the go-go started. I was 18 and I didn't really have time and gave it much thought about what I wanted to do in life. I kind of just fell into it. I was really lucky. Most people I don't think are, are that lucky where they don't really know what they want to do with their life. And the other thing I think I've always been very black and white, and I kind of have a very good sense of what I want to do. And I've always had that from when I was a kid. I must be somewhat driven if I'm still around and, you know, 42 years later. But I've been, I was really lucky. I was really, really lucky. Yeah. And so let's let's talk about the vegan life. So how how did you fall into that? Well, I am vegan-ish. Yes. So I'm vegan most days. And then I'll have um, maybe a piece of cheese or whatever which is really amazing to be able to do here in Thailand. But I've been vegetarian for the most part of the last 35 years. I always, I started off with meatless Mondays uh, when I got back on the vegetarian vegan bandwagon. And then it got really easy to do. And then I heard something that Moby said, you know, the musician Moby. I was just listening to an interview with him and he was talking about being a progressive and and having these friends that are so-called progressives, but then tuck into a hamburger. And it's like, well, that's like the number one cause of greenhouse gases. And I thought that makes so much sense to me. And, you know, I've always been um, an active member, an animal advocate for, for PETA, I don't know, since 1986, I think. So that kind of made sense. So I kept cutting back the, the dairy product. I can't even remember the last time I drank milk. Um, my weakness is Parmesan. <laughs> But we can't get good Parmesan here. And but once in a while, if my, my body body feels like I need an egg, I have an egg. And I don't really have a moral sort of problem with that if it's if it's cage free and if it's organic. So I'm so happy that I don't. I'm not uh, supporting the dairy industry or the uh, meat industry, factory farming. I have here one of the charities, Animal People Alliance. So how did that all come about? Well, I. I, it's Animal People Alliance. I love India. And of course, my I've been an animal activist since, you know, for 30 odd years. I have a lot of friends that work in NGOs in Calcutta, and they come here for the weekend to Bangkok, you know, to have fun. One of my co-founders, it works in human trafficking. And he said, I want to do an animal project in Calcutta. 
I thought, that's what I want to do. And after thinking about it for six months, I approached him. So we formed Animal People Alliance in 2014. Our mission is, is that we treat the street animals of Calcutta, but also provide employment to women who have been trafficked or anyone who's, who is at risk at falling below the poverty line. So we've been really, really successful. We've, we've treated close to 20,000 animals. We've expanded Amazing. into northern Thailand. And we have presence um, up there for spaying and neutering and rabies, rabies drives. We work with WVS, which is the World Veterinary Service. And it's just expanding and growing. And it's my little baby. I'm only two hour flight from Calcutta. I go back and forth quite a bit when it's open, but it hasn't, I haven't been back for the past year, but the team are great. And they're really making a huge difference in, in a city that really needs animal services. What's next for Belinda Carla? Any, any fun things happening in 2021 or 2022? I have so much work that I hope, you know, I had lots of work from last year that got moved to this year. So, you know, I had the Go-Go's, you know, we had the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame possibility coming up in a couple of months. Um, huge. So I, yeah. So that's, that's amazing if that happens. I just have dates, you know, I do all this weird sort of extreme travel, which I did the Silk Road year before last and working on a trip to Pakistan for next year. I don't know. I mean, that's fun for me is being able to travel. It's just, I've been, we've been caged in. It's a good cage. It's a big cage, but it's still a cage. And, you know, I'm looking forward to getting to the States and seeing my family and my son and people I haven't seen in almost a year and a half. That's awesome. And speaking of Duke, who is such an amazing human being and an LGBT activist among all the things that he does, good friend of mine who obviously has an amazing mother. And let me ask you one thing. So What's that one thing that you want Duke to remember you for? Oh, gosh. I'd say, well, a loving mother. And I like, like, I'd like to think I was a nurturing mother, but also that had integrity. And I think integrity has always been really, really important to me. Really important. Huge part of your brand, integrity. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's important to me. And last question, what advice would you give your younger self? That you were always perfect the way you were. I mean, I spent years and years from the, even the early days and, and you know, being in, in the public eye and never really feeling good enough or des- deserving, never felt pretty enough, never felt talented enough. And now I look back at those pictures now and go, oh my God, I was so cute. What did I, what was I thinking? You know, I was like so awesome, you know, to be able to pull off with four other people, what we pulled off. So I was just say, I was perfect no matter what, what I was going through, you know? It's a beautiful message. Yeah. I think all of us, especially in this world that we're living in now with social media and so many pressures around us to, you know, just, just relax people, relax, calm down, enjoy life. You know, I, I personally, I'm always, I, why wasn't this good enough? I should have done this, or I looked weird there or so many pressures. And I create all these boundaries for myself that I think that in this world, you know, really keeps us from living to our fullest and being, as we talked about our most authentic, which Right now, I think that's a a huge issue. Like, how can we be as authentic as possible in this world where we're surrounded by we're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, you're not rich enough, you're not, you're not this enough, this enough, that enough, right? So that's such an important message. And Belinda, anything else that you want to, uh, you know, leave us with any message, any, any golden nugget to our listeners out there who are, 
huge fans of yours and uh, and that you want to, you know, just leave us with today? I don't know. I think when the one, the big thing that I learned from this year is, is the importance of family and friends, really. I never, I can't, well, I always appreciated it, but I kind of took it for granted. And now that I'm just on the other side of the world with no way to really see anybody, I just, you know, I can't wait to get out there and give everybody a hug. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that, right? And yeah. so it, it, it's down the road, guys. I can feel it. I can, I can feel, feel it. it. Yeah. It's at the end of the tunnel. Well, thank you all for listening to Brand With Podcast. To keep up with Belinda, follow her on her Instagram at travels underscore with underscore miss underscore Mason. And thanks for branding with us. Again, Belinda, thank you so, so much for being with us today. You're a legend. You're a legend. I mean, what else can I say? Thank you, Ivan. So nice to meet you. Thank you all again for listening to this episode. For more information on branding and marketing, check out our ecosystem on brandwith.com. You can also find more tips by signing up for our newsletter that's not boring or by following us on social media. If you're looking to get featured on this podcast to discuss your branding or marketing needs, find out how to do so on our website as well. Can't wait for you to brand with us again.